0: Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. And in this episode, I'm talking with Dom Wells from Onfolio.co, who has bought over 40 website businesses in the last two years and continues to scale the portfolio. In this podcast episode, Dom and I specifically talk about how Dom's philosophy towards investing has changed over the last two years since he was on the podcast two years ago. We also talk about a few things Dom does to grow these sites. We talk about why risk management. Is a is one of the biggest strategies, and we also talk about the future of most affiliate sites and how they can be risky purchases unless. You understand a few things that we talk about in this podcast episode. And then we lastly, we talk about a long-term and less stressful way to buy website businesses and then much, much more. So this is such an incredible episode. You're going to love it. Before we get stuck into the episode, I want to tell you that this podcast is not the only way I can help you for free. I have my due diligence framework 2.0, which a lot of people have been raving about, which will help you with knowing what to look out for when buying a website, including questions to ask the sellers and everything involved with resources and stuff to buy a website so to get that go to buyingonlinebusinesses.com forward slash free resources and there's some other awesome free resources on that page too now let's get stuck in to the episode Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research, all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.build Forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites but don't want to drop $20,000 or more on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.link forward slash bob podcast to check out their great deals. That's odys.link forward slash bob podcast. Link will be in the description too. Hey, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Today, we have Dom Wells joining us. Dom, it's been almost two years. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah, I know. That's time flies when you're having fun. <laughs>
0: yeah, it has been fun. You've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And we were just talking about like how how much can happen in a two-year time span in internet years. And I wanted to ask you, what's evolved for you? And we can get into little nitty-gritty details and stuff like that. But the first sort of question I want to lead with is, what sort of sites were you buying two years ago? And have you changed to buying different types of sites or different size sites or different business models? And how has that evolved for you?
1: That has been probably the biggest change, I guess, since we last spoke. And fundamentally, we still look for the same thing. Uh, I actually remember one thing we talked about, Two years ago was, um, it's better to buy a good business for a fair price than a, a fair business for a good price. The, the classic Warren Buffett quote. And I, I feel like I, I use this quote on pretty much every podcast I'm on. <laughs> so that, that hasn't changed. We're still looking for fundamentally good businesses rather than looking for fixer uppers or um, you know something like that. But I think the definition of a good business has changed over the two years. And that's partly because Google's changed and what Google likes now has changed. I think two years ago, you could buy a quality, typical affiliate site. That would be you know, a solid investment, whereas now it seems a lot riskier. And we can dig deeper on that you know, later on. But yeah, n- now we would consider that to be more of a risk rather than go for these sort of typical affiliate sites we're now looking for stuff that has a lot more defensibility something you can build an audience around something that's really more of a business and less of just like a standalone website with traffic yeah so part of the evolution has been google's and the the changing landscape and part of the evolution is just when you buy 40 or so businesses that we've bought since we last spoke uh, either with our own money or working with investors, and then you run those businesses for two years, you just get so much more experience and you know what does work, what doesn't work, and how how reliable some of your strategies are. you're just going to sort of level up your or evolve what you're you're focusing on as well
0: yeah, hugely time time in the market and experience in how can you not evolve and how can you not not grow when I think I said to you before we had the record buttons that two years is is you know you've looked at a bunch of businesses you bought a lot of businesses i've looked at so many businesses from doing due diligence reviews for people in the community and that data you know even your team doing due diligence it gives you so much data on what's great about a business what's what can be risky about a business and i want to touch on those affiliate affiliate businesses because you're right like two years ago or even a year ago you know it's probably standard practice to buy an affiliate site, Amazon affiliate site, or even just another affiliate. And it's just got a little short about page, no real brand behind it and no, I guess we could use the term EAT. I want to bring this up because I don't think I have talked about this on the podcast about the churn and burn approach or the, the pump and dump approach that some people are doing with creating these, affiliate sites and they're still doing it I, I feel and you can see them on see them for sale all the time like i'm looking at these businesses all the time um through clients that are looking at them the they're, they're creating a lot of content it's optimized for to to get ranked and stuff like that but the the business itself doesn't have much authority and you can see that google's gonna you know put them or de-rank these businesses and um it's kind of scary for new investors coming to the space if they're going to go and buy a business like this what they were taught maybe two years ago isn't what they what they should be doing today would you agree and and how have you seen that evolve as well
1: yeah i don't think it's necessarily the fault of the people who are building them no like they're not building them and offloading them before they fail well well, maybe they are but i mean they're not like they don't know oh this is about to tank i need to it. probably not their intention as investment. well yeah. yeah and i think it's a number of things yeah I, I do think over the last year and i mean we're recording this what march 2021 and march 2020 we were still buying sites like that and they were good uh, investments actually you know, the corona bump started. So a lot of them made really good money for March, April, and May, and then it sort of slowly died throughout the year. Now, myself and Yuri, who does a lot of our due diligence, we just see businesses like that and we just sort of think, well, if this business lost all its rankings and it didn't get any traffic and it kind of just didn't exist in Google anymore would anybody notice? And the answer is not really because they will just get replaced by another site that has the exact same. Really what we try to look at now is something where you could potentially buy the website and it's either got a community or you could build a community onto it. It's like a small but important difference. And so, for example, let's say you had a website about fitness. Um, it's You could just have a generic best boxing gloves website or you could have like a website about boxing, where there might be a best boxing gloves article, but there's also going to be like informational articles and people are going to want to join a Facebook group or an email list and they, they just want to interact with the site more. And if that site suddenly lost its keyword rankings, people would be upset. They'd be like, hey, where did that website go? And when that happens, it kind of does two things. One is I think Google actually notices it is less likely to hit you in an update because it's getting all these good user signals but second of all you don't need to rely on google as much in the first place because if you did lose all your rankings then people are still going to find you like you know at on folio if i i don't even know what google rankings we have because people find us because they hear me like on podcasts like yours or they word of mouth or whatever and so if there was a google update i'm like i don't know and same with you i'm sure people do find you in google but your business isn't built around that. And so you probably don't even check your rankings that often or when there's a Google update. And if you take that approach to all the businesses you buy, then everything changes with your philosophy and with how you're running them and how you're looking for them and how you're doing due diligence.
0: Yeah, I like the the keyword that you you mentioned is is community, and doesn't need to be like a. I call my membership a community, but it doesn't need to be like that. I'm like even just to add on to your boxing gloves site, say we're reviewing a bunch of boxing gloves, but then we're also talking about boxing and you know how to be a better boxer or whatever it is and if you have a facebook group of people that are training to be boxers and and sharing information and sharing techniques and stuff like that you can share your articles into that and you've got a facebook list of people that can come back to your site and you can still make ad revenue and affiliate commissions and build an email list as well and get give people boxing updates and that you're building more of a media business where you're producing media in in different on different platforms, and people can get it in their own different variety or variation from you. But it doesn't have to just be through getting people through Google, and it really de-risks your business if you can if you can do that, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. Now, obviously, the downside to that is that typically there's fewer of these businesses available, and they tend to cost more, uh, which is why we we kind of shifted what we do. We pivoted more into a holding company now, so we work less with individual investors and more just having people invest in the holding company which also de-risks as well because if one business dies then you're still okay but i would say that it's well worth the effort of trying to find a business like this rather than just buying the first affiliate site you see you know and even if these businesses have have less potential upside because maybe they're more expensive or the sellers have already pulled all the levers they can pull I think it's still worth people going for this kind of acquisition because you know the the real way to not make money in this space is to just buy something that dies you don't have to grow it I know you know everyone wants to grow it and of course you should but if you don't grow it you're still going to get you know you're probably going to get what 20% 30% ROI and so I'll buy something that's reliable before I'll buy something that's kind of got that upside potential. Um, yeah, it, it does make it a lot harder because the average business that's for sale or whether it's at a broker or wherever doesn't really meet that criteria, but it definitely pays to be fussier.
0: Oh, of course. It's, you know, your profit is made in the purchase and they say that in real estate. We, we're just buying digital real estate, but I think, a common thing that people will do is when they first get introduced to our space is they're like, Oh, let's go and find these businesses that have massive opportunity and we're like they can they, they pull the wool over the eyes of like what are the things that can actually happen in the environment ch- changes that can happen within the online space that can really like doesn't matter about the opportunities you've got risks and the risks are far more important to understand and work out how you can de-risk a business when you purchase it so that's why i tell people when they join the community is that like you know our goal isn't to prove that a business is a good investment when we're doing due diligence our goal is to prove that it's a bad investment and if we can't then we must buy it right based off understanding the risks better more than just oh let's look at the opportunities and pull wool over our eyes and because those environmental changes are critical right like once you've purchased a business you've understood dom that you're like all right cool we understand the risks we we know how we can reduce or minimize or even remove a portion or all of those risks what are some of the things that you do when you take take ownership of a site do you rush in and, and change a bunch of stuff Or do you sit back and watch it for a little bit? And then normally with these types of businesses or the, you know, if we're sticking to content websites, what are some of the things you start to, you know, make moves with in terms of growth?
1: That hasn't changed that much, I guess. We still do similar things like the idea is we, we don't try and change too much because well, I just think it's kind of suicide to go in and change too much uh, all at once, but um, yeah, so what we're really trying to do is maintain the, the momentum of the site. And we're not buying a site that has a downwards momentum that needs reversing. So really it's like, okay, let's make sure we, we get a firm understanding of everything that's required because there's always, there's always something, like the seller forgets to tell you something or like a, a certain type of email comes in that you're not sure how to reply to. And then, so the best thing is like, okay, let's just kind of, yeah, like you say, let's just watch. But then we're also going to go in and we're going to like audit the plugins and we're going to think about is the hosting that the site's on fast enough? Like if we've if we've taken over the hosting, do we need to get a better host, um, or do we need to cut the hosting because it's way it's overkill? We'll do a, like a, a site technical audit, like the kind of thing that Ahrefs and Sitebulb and those tools can tell you, because there's often a lot of like broken links or just some. Some things that the seller didn't pay attention to anymore. I get an understanding of the keywords. Um, And so even though we're buying this business because it doesn't rely on SEO and Google, it still fundamentally gets a lot of its traffic from SEO and Google. So you do need to look at those things first. And then we start doing a lot of keyword research. So, okay, what other content opportunities are there? And if we think... There's an opportunity to add in, say, a digital product. Then we'll spend a lot of work doing that because that's quite a long process. And there's a lot of businesses out there where the seller just has kind of like one thing that they're good at, and it's usually SEO. So you're like, why haven't you done any email marketing? And they're like, I, I can't. I'm not good at it. I don't like it. There's the people that we looked at a business that had something like a million email subscribers, and the seller never emailed his subscribers to do any promotions and we said why not and he said I hate email marketers and we were like oh well we don't (laughs) so you know this was this was a business that was like 1.5 million dollars or something so you do get there is money left on the table at higher prices as well so we might think okay let's we've bought this business because it has a community element to it what problems do people have so we might run a survey to the email list and say what are your problems and We'll try and figure out what a solution could be and then we'll map out some lead magnets and, you know, that, that kind of typical digital marketer type stuff. We'll look at the customer avatar because these things take time and they're not always going to be the things that bring in the most money, but they fit in with what we're trying to do where we want to de-risk the asset. So like if a business is getting a bunch of SEO traffic and it's making, say, I don't know, 20K a month. If we add an email marketing element to it, it might only bring in 2K a month or 3K, but it's giving us a big email list as well that we can play around with later. So we want to get started on that stuff as soon as possible. And then a lot of other things, it really depends on the asset. So, you know, what what exactly are the best levers to pull? And then we'll just start focusing on whatever they are.
0: Yeah, making it more a more holistic business, right? I, I like that strategy. So like, how do you just, like you said, how do you de-risk the business? And often uh, people don't understand as, or maybe not even have thought of this that that a risk minimization strategy in turn ends up being a, a growth strategy anyway. Is it just content sites that you're looking at purchasing? Or you've got a few... Because in that sort of two-year period, you have 40 businesses. You, is it all content? And are you you still feel that you're going to stick the content route or open up to e com Membership slash SaaS type businesses.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll still be fundamentally content because it's what we're good at. But we we have got an e-commerce business. Uh, we sort of inherited a we've got a good deal. So we were like, okay, let's let's use this as our introduction to econ. And that's been going well. Lots of problems to overcome that are very different, like things like inventory management and, and, and all of that. Hiring people to redesign a Shopify theme is kind of a, a new thing. Um, and then we also have we have a couple of businesses that aren't really content sites. They're more like kind of like deals websites. And that's cool because it, it still has that community element and the, the the audience that comes back over and over again, but it's not about just like blogging. And I'm just hiring a new like full-time full stack developer. So that gives us a bit more ability to run a SaaS as well. So if we saw the right SaaS, we would we would go for it. But I think we're not going to like try to pivot fully into SaaS or e-commerce. It's more about, you know, it, let's say we had a content site and then we saw an e-commerce site or a SaaS that would complement it we would go for it rather than just try to pick sass just for the sake of it
0: is that what you're doing when you buy multiple businesses is it, are you buying a business in a certain niche and then going oh there's an i will look for businesses for sale that are within that niche so you can use you know grow the portfolio that way and grow them alongside each other or even merge them at all is that a strategy that you're getting into
1: yeah, yeah, it's not our core strategy, but we're realizing that a lot of a lot of businesses we have, we're like, oh, this content site, we could add an e-commerce element to it. So should we build an e-commerce element or should we see if there's an existing one we can buy? And so it's, it's one of the strategies that we're adding into our playbook, but it's not like the fundamental thing. But one of the advantages, again, of now being a holding company rather than just having like completely uncorrelated sites with different owners is, yeah, we can start doing things like that. Whereas before, maybe if one guy owned site A and then we wanted to buy site B, which was relevant, but with a different person, then probably people would say, yeah, we can collaborate. But they may also say, well, there's a conflict of interest if you're helping them and not us. Whereas if we just buy them all, it doesn't matter. Like We own them all and they can support each other. And then suddenly a content website, rather than being the business, it's just like a traffic asset in the, the overall business, which is like the, the brand that, that does content and it does e-com and it does community.
0: And so we've seen some big changes in the two years. Like I think before I hit record, I was like, wow, there's a lot that happened. Um, a lot that I will be racking my brain to remember. And then there's some of the bigger things that I can remember that that are quite easy to that uh, most people in our industry know. Do you see the, how do you see, and I know it's. this is very subjective to what's going to happen in the environment, the online space, but how do you see our online business, you know, purchasing online businesses evolving in the future and how we'll be buying businesses?
1: It depends, really. Um, There's a lot more options now, I think prior to, well, I don't know if there's a specific prior to date, but traditionally the space was always, really, it was just entrepreneurs. The only people buying businesses were people like us who've operated businesses and maybe we've sold one, got a bit of money and decided to buy some. And and you would see real estate investors as well, because I think real estate investors are quite entrepreneurial by nature. So they were sort of attracted to the space. But really, it was a space where you had to be the operator, like, you know, you had to buy the business and run it yourself. And really is maybe the reason why multiples stayed so low. But it's also it kept a lot of people out of the space. Whereas what we're seeing now, through things like what we sort of do less of now, but we did spend the last few years doing was, you know, like operator as a service. And there are other companies out there who still do that. So that that turned an active investment into a passive investment. And then you have, there's an increasing number of funds coming out and you have EF capital. And like I mentioned, we you know we take um, investments and then it's still, it's opened up a lot of accessibility, but a lot of these investments you still, people need to be accredited investors or there, there are limits. Like if, if you use a crowdfunding platform, there's kind of limits to what people can invest. But I do think, the space is going to become more and more open for regular investors to invest in like a kind of a portfolio rather than having to rely on a single business. But then for those who, who do want to just be like, no, I, I I want to do my own thing. I want to just buy a business and run it or hire someone to run it. I think that's still becoming easier because, well, because actually because places like your course or, and your community and there is other courses that are out there. It's just a lot easier to learn now. But it's also harder because there's more competition, and I think it's maybe becoming harder to run the businesses without them dying. So the, the opportunity is still there, but people need to, you know, put in the work and learn.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the hard thing, right? Is is that people need to put in the work and I I definitely see there is a lot of people that want to do it themselves right roll up the sleeves and they want to do it themselves and um, they're prepared to put in the work and then you got some people that say they're prepared to put in the work and they end up going through and they, they just don't end up doing anything but now I definitely see you know in the last year and a half like the amount of people that contact me each week saying hey here's some money can you buy a business and run it for us it's, it's, there's a lot of people that just have money that want to be just investors, like you said, and that's definitely fuel the rise of, you know, what you're doing and EF capital and other funds that are out there as well. So it's definitely a, a great place in the market for that because that's where more money's coming in through that for, for more passive investing. Do you see with your fund, do you see that most people are going to head down the route because there's a bit of work that we need like behind the scenes like i I watched your process setting this up there's a bit of work behind the scenes getting it set up with legislation and all that sort of stuff do you see more people heading down that route to open up funds that can be publicly listed and you need accredited investors for that as well or more the operator style
1: yeah i think both i I don't know if anyone will necessarily do what we've done because we're kind of doing something quite unconventional certainly more like normal funds will come about as because there's always people that are like oh i could do that and some of them can some of them can't you know but there's going to be there's going to be more operators as a service i think there's there's probably a lag as well between what people think is easy and what isn't so easy anymore so for example that there are people who are like who are still just want to buy businesses fix them up and you know they're like, yeah, I'll just do that a few times and I've turned 100k into a million dollars. And I'm like, it's not that easy anymore. I, I've kind of been where people want to go because I've been doing it for two years with 40 sites. And so there's, there's going to be people who the operator model will work for some people, it won't work for others. And Funds will work for some. I just think, yeah, more and more people will try. And that could lead to increasing multiples. It could lead to, it will definitely lead to increasing competition. I don't know exactly if it will lead to more money being made or or less money. But I don't think it's necessarily the shift in one direction because there's also, like, we have people who come to us and say, hey, I've got 50k to invest can you buy a business for me? And two years ago I would have said, sure. Whereas now it's not worth our time and it's not, we we can't really provide a good result for someone for that amount of money. And so there's going to be others who will say, yeah, I'll do it. Because maybe they, they're a one man band. They can, they can work with that budget. It makes sense. So there's going to be different.
0: Yeah. Different horses for different courses. I think it's definitely going to drive the multiples up and, you're right. I wouldn't say help, but it's going to drive people that really want to do it themselves to be better entrepreneurs because you're just going to be need to be far more savvy and really understand the risks and what I like about the industry is that people that come in hot and heavy with some cash and want to do it themselves is they get a rude awakening that it's not just I'm just going to invest some money and make a make a whole bunch of money really really quickly like you probably started investing in in websites maybe before me years ago like even just probably five to ten years ago you could come in you could buy something do some small tweaks and you could make a bunch of money but now you really need to be a good business entrepreneur right you really need to know how to grow those businesses and those different i think the you'll have those people that will want to become business owners and run them then you'll have people that want to be sort of semi-passive but still involved with the deal so they can learn through an operator so they can go all right cool i can sort of follow their model and then go away and try to do it themselves i think that's what their long-term goal will be and then we'll have funds such as yourself where people can put their money in and and you cover everything and give a give a nice return each quarter you think do you feel that that's accurate
1: yeah, I think you summed it up quite well. I think, yeah, I was on the of this podcast recently. It hasn't been published yet, but maybe it will have been by the time this is published. But they were asking me, like, what what tweaks do you make to a site when you buy it? What levers do you pull? And I basically said, what well, I don't. Like, because, I mean, of course, if there are levers to pull, then I pull them. But it's not like it was seven years ago or five years ago where you could buy a site and the seller hadn't optimized it at all and you could just add a comparison table and you could just do some conversion rate optimization and and, and you would triple the site. And th- that's what it was like when I first started, actually. It was very, <laughs> it was great. Like you buy a business making 1K and two weeks later it's making 4K. But unfortunately, thanks to good work from <laughs> people like us telling people about that, sellers are doing it before they sell. And so a lot of, the, a lot of those opportunities are gone. And also, you know, something you said earlier was, It's like real estate where you make money when you buy. It it is, but I think in real estate, that mantra really means you should buy something that's worth 400K, but only pay 100K for it. And so you get a lot of people that come into website investing with the same attitude, like I'm not going to pay more than X. And so the answer is, well, you're either going to be waiting a very long time or you're going to buy something that's garbage and you can't just hire someone to do a paint job and cut the grass. So th- th- those opportunities do exist, but it doesn't summarize the opportunity in the space like it used to. And so I think, yeah, they may get a rude awakening. Um, and They need to sort of unlearn some of the things we've been talking about over the last few years.
0: I think it's great as well. I, I really do. I-, I have people come into the community all the time. It's like they're looking for a deal. I'm like, look, you can get a deal, but if you just go back to the Warren Buffett quote, you're going to get... What you pay for type thing like if you go away and buy a tape measure that costs five dollars it's going to last you maybe a month if you go buy one that's fifty dollars it's going to last you a lot longer and that's why i like it dom is because i'm not really great at the tactics like i'm not great at like doing the little tweak and like checking wordpress plugins and all that sort of stuff which is you got team for that but i like that business is better because what i like to teach is principles and strategies not tactics and if you ever listen to like any of my podcasts any of my content it's all like it's not tactical like i'm i'm not a pro at seo but uh, that's why i like it because if you have like if you put your business cap on dom which i feel is very similar is that you're looking at the business as a whole at a holistic approach of like how do i de-risk the business and create an opportunity out at the same time which isn't a tactical thing of like which email provider should i use software provider should you use it's more about the strategy of that how you should instill that email marketing plan as a whole to de-risk the business which can also be an opportunity and i think that's why it's it's shutting out some of those people that are coming to our space that that can be cowboyish trying to like make sure they can get some quick wins on the board because i just don't believe in quick wins what do you what do you reckon about that
1: yeah, overall, yeah. I mean, there are still. I'm trying to think. The last time I bought one that had a quick win, probably 2019. I mean, yeah, there's occasionally ones, but like they either have something else wrong with them, so it makes you think, okay, yeah, I could, I could do this thing, but I'm not sure if I want to buy this business even, even it, like even with that quick win, or most of the quick wins have gone already. Um, like one of the classic quick wins in 2018, 2019 was buy an AdSense business, stick Media Vine on it. And now everyone's just using Mediavine already. And so it's like, yeah, that's a shame. Um, And then another one is buy an Amazon affiliate site, stick a better conversion comparison table on it. Um, That worked almost every time we did it. Now, first of all, we don't like Amazon affiliate sites anymore and everyone's using a comparison table. So a lot of those quick wins are gone. But I wouldn't say I don't believe in them. I just say, like, I don't see them as much as I used to.
0: I feel it's a short-term approach, and anything that I like to do should have a long-term trajectory um, because it decreases my stress, and over time it can increase my income. and, and my real goal is to decrease my stress, not just my income growth. <laughs> if, I, if I'm going to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's a good point. Actually, like some of those, some of those quick win sites we bought. If you hold them too long, they're not going to be like, you know, maybe you buy the site, it's making, let's say, a grand, you do some quick win stuff. Three months later, it's making three grand and you're like, oh, this is amazing. But then a year later, the site's making a grand again or $500 because you bought a site that was kind of crap. So you either buy it, do the quick win, hold it for like four months and then sell it as quickly as possible. Or just buy a business that is going to be around for a decade and not worry about whether or not you can do a quick win.
0: Yeah, you don't want to be the one-trick pony and have and, backfire and backfire on you. I want to ask about the fund and tell us a little bit about it. Like, how can people get involved and what sort of could they expect if they are to get involved as an investor?
1: First and foremost, it's not really a fund. So compared to like, a typical fund. Our strategy is essentially we've turned Onfolio into a holding company and we're taking that holding company public, the US over-the-counter markets at some point this year, maybe Q3. It really depends on once we've finished having our financials audited or we submit stuff to the SEC, whether they want a, like a 45-day review or a four-day review or whatever. But The idea is probably Q3 or Q4. And so when we're public, people can just invest in us by just buying our common shares, just the same as you would buy shares in Tesla or or whatever. But the common shares don't pay a dividend because every dollar profit we make goes back into buying more businesses Mm -hmm. and growing the value of the shares. So one way we're also raising money right now is by offering preferred shares, which unlike common shares, preferred shares don't appreciate in value. Or they, they shouldn't, like if there's a huge demand for them, maybe they will. But um, they pay a fixed dividend of 12% a year, uh, which we pay quarterly. That's so 3% a quarter. And the idea with preferred shares is we use them to raise money. Right now, we're trying to raise about 5 or $10 million. And then that five, let's say we raised uh, $5 million. That should give us around about 30 to 40% cash on cash for us. And so if we're paying 12% out to investors, then it means investors are, they're giving up the upside, but they're getting a lot more diversification and they're still getting 12%, which is, you know, it's, it's not guaranteed obviously, because, you know, you can't guarantee these things, but we're confident in our ability to always hit the 12%. And if we don't hit it, it just gets carried over to the next quarter until we do hit it. But the idea is because we're a holding company, we're diversified. And then people can say, well, I'm not, you know, if someone wants upside, then they can invest in a traditional fund or they can just buy our common shares. But if, they, if they're if they like, well, I want to park my money somewhere, get, get decent yield and not worry about whether or not it goes up or down, then not only do we offer above average returns, but we're going to be an SEC reporting entity with audited financials. So it's significantly less risky than some of the other ways of investing.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've got different, like what I like to know, as is a very blanket statement, but when you invest, if you want higher returns, it can come It can come with higher risk. If you want lesser returns, it can be a decreased risk. And that's why I think a beautiful combination of investing in online businesses for good cash flow either has a, a decent amount of risk and then reinvesting it into like lesser of an income-producing asset like real estate, I mean, it can be a beautiful combination. So you're going to have those, what do people want? They want more income and more risk or, or a little bit less, but- far less risk and like we said there's different horses for different courses but because you're on the on the sec and you're reporting and all that that means people need to be accredited investors before they they buy shares in the holding company
1: so when we're publicly traded anyone can buy the shares just like you know you don't need to be accredited right now to participate in our preferred shares people actually americans need to be accredited whereas people outside america don't necessarily need to be kind of depends on where they are kind of an unfair <laughs> it's kind of unfair that americans have better protection from the sec basically but then later on we'll probably do a raising mechanism where anybody can can invest if they're, you know, regardless of their status so it, it kind of depends so people should just reach out
0: look thanks so much for sharing everything it's been great to kind of see what you've learned in in the two-year period and, and how things have changed and evolved for you we're talking about people reaching out where can they reach out and find out more about what you guys are doing.
1: Yeah, we're still at onfolio.co. There's a contact form. I'm always active on Twitter
0: if people just want to follow me there. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks so much for everybody listening to this episode. Before you go, I want to think of two three people who are thinking of investing in buying an online business, whether through somebody, through a holding company a fund or buying it themselves please share this episode with them because dom and i went through so much that's happened in two years and how things have changed our philosophy there's more to add to that we could keep going on and on on how things have changed in the last two years but think of two to three people who would get value from this episode and please share this with them thanks for listening guys bye